The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hey, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We're coming to you from Los Angeles, California at the Rebuilt Treatment Center. Um, it's a pleasure as always to have you join us each and every week. I know we have a lot of people from all over the world that uh, that tune into me every week, and I really, really appreciate you doing that. Um, this week, we have another episode of our client files, and I can't thank you all for the people that email in to say thank you and um, just on how much um, this 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 segment that has grown into like its own show. It wasn't supposed to be this way. I was supposed to have a couple people on that were going through their own little trials and tribulations of trying to get sober, and it's kind of turned into a whole thing. People just love hearing um, other people's struggles, not the sense that they are kind of sick and twisted. They like to hear it because they're going through it themselves. Um, and just a lot of relating going on here from all avenues. I've got men and women, all different ages, all different sobriety from two days sober up to 30 years of sobriety that have joined us. And it's been just awesome. Um, just, you know, as I was just telling, um, to our guest today, uh, her name is Scarlett. Um, it's just kind of like two drug addicts just chatting, and it's um, two former drug addicts, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, but anyway, Scarlett, welcome to the show. Thank you. You got it. Um, Scarlett, you're 26 years old. Today is your 68th day of sobriety. Mm-hmm. Um, you are um, your your drugs of choice were booze, weed, a variety of pills, as mm-hmm. you said, a pill popper. Mm-hmm. Um, I get. It. I never did pills. I never did. I think I did one Xanax, literally one, yeah. in my life. And I think a girl gave that to me because I told her I had to go to work at <laughs> 6 in the morning one time. And it was a Saturday night, and I had to go work on a Sunday. She said that this would help because we've been blowing lines for like three days. Uh, she said, I'll take the edge off. And I was like, okay. Did it? But no, I don't know because I was so out of my mind <laughs> that I think it would need more than one pill yeah, to bring me back to earth to take the edges off. Yeah. I just, you know, pills weren't, you're 26 years old, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm I'm 41, so we have a little bit of an age difference. Pills were never a big deal yeah. for me. I mean, kids got, they, I mean, kids would get like um, prescribed Ritalin, but nobody mm-hmm. ever thought to really abuse them. Right. It wasn't that big, big of a thing and until I went to treatment my first time, which was probably in 2003, I, I never really, it never had occurred to me. <laughs> to do a, to do pills like why would you do such a thing right. you can just do whatever so anyways what let, we'll get to the we'll get to the drugs and all that <laughs> i want to know what 
you know, you've been sober now 68 days. Mm -hmm. This is your first time through treatment, Mm -hmm. which I hope, knock on wood, (laughs) that it's your last. Yeah, I hope so, too. The average person goes to treatment a lot more than once. Right. And... It gets a little. It gets a little much. People mm-hmm. get very confident, and they make just mistakes that they are so avoidable. Right. But what What got you here? Why are you here? What What like? Why are you here in treatment now? Where did you get to in your head? Where did your family? Did your family make you come here? Or did you come here on your own? Um, I kind of came on my own. Um, I had a sister that was in treatment, mm-hmm. and um, she, uh, she and I are on our only support system that we have. Like, we don't really talk to our parents. Or is she older or younger? She's older. Okay, she's like a couple, four years older than me. Got it. Um, and she uh, was over. At, she was in treatment and. Um, I started watching, taking care of her house, taking care of her dog, um, when she went away to treatment. And then I was like, oh shit, I need to go into treatment probably too. Um, and I didn't really realize that I had that, I don't know, I didn't think of it as being like an addiction, the things I was doing. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I just go and party. Just socially? Yeah, I felt it was very social, but I, but at the same time, you know, I was drinking by myself. I was smoking weed by myself. I was popping pills by myself. Um, so once you realize that, you're like, okay, I have really shitty defense mechanisms. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I think that's kind of what it really came down to is that like you, it's the defense mechanism behind what you're, what you're keeping inside of you. So, yeah. so I, one day, um, I had a really bad thing of depression and I called my sister up when she was in treatment mm-hmm. and I basically was like, I need help. If you don't come today, like, I don't know what I'm going to do to myself. And so she showed up, she called her therapist and her therapist found me you guys. Where were you living at the time? Uh, North Hollywood. Got it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you just got that dark. Yeah. What got you that dark? Um, I've been... I mean, there's an effect that drugs, they make you dark. I mean, you get nothing <laughs> but rainbows and unicorns living at your house. Right. You know? And the drugs will make those rainbows and unicorns be very dark. Yeah. But what made you dark, do you think? Um, I have, like, lots of trauma from being a child. Like, I think we all do. We're all born. The minute we're all we're born. We're all born. Yeah. <laughs> that's traumatizing. Then there's kindergarten, first grade, which is which can really skin your knee. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I had very uh, neglectful parents. Um, my mom is has borderline personality disorder as well as narcissistic personality disorder. Um, so that can kind of create this really awful feeling as a child that everything is revolved around one person and not you. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually, um, you know, you kind of come to the conclusion about that. And once I left my parents, you don't know anything other than having crappy living situations. So then I moved in with a really... That's all you know. Yeah, that's all you know. So I moved in... It's like you're you're not really doing something wrong. It's just, it's all you know. Right, it's all you know. You don't know anything else. So then you're going to attract people who are just like them. So I get into this relationship, the relationship completely falls apart it's extremely abusive um so i'm holding on to that trauma and then i'm living in la at the time when i'm in this relationship and i moved from la to go to chicago to go live with my sister and um then we both moved to la together because i really missed it out here the weather in chicago is awful yeah Uh, and so that can add on to your depression and trauma so 
Um, and so then we moved here to LA and then we kind of got into like this funk of just drinking and smoking weed all the time. And it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't like the most healthiest environment. Yeah. So when you grow up in a situation, in a situation with, you know, I wrote down in my pad of paper, neglectful parents mm-hmm. and I didn't have neglectful parents. I didn't. I mean, I think parents, I mean, I think parents get a really bad rap at times. I mean, some people like say their parents are absolutely horrible, yeah. and it's like you know, at the end of the day, so, I mean, some parents. I mean, I, I'm not. This has nothing to do with your family, right? Because <laughs> everybody always tells me when they come in here. I'd say, well, I'd say at least ninety percent parents are horrible. You know, they're <laughs> this, they're that. It's like a lot of times parents are just. You know, you try raising a kid. You're like they just do the best that they can. You yeah. know, you got all your fingers, you got all your toes. That's <laughs> not bad. You know. Totally. Then there's neglectful parents. There's then there's abuse of a parent. Right. And, you know, that's another level. So when when you say, and I just want people to really think about that when they say that their parents are bad, because totally. I hear people say this all the time, and I'm like, you know, are your parents bad or did they just do the best that they could with what they had? They yeah, they weren't there all the time because they didn't. They didn't have any money, and they had to work two jobs, three jobs. Right. I, I always like to people to really put that in perspective. It's like they're doing whatever they could to put food on the table for you. Yeah. You know, it's not that situation for you. No, and <laughs> I didn't say, and I and I definitely wasn't inclining that. I think yeah. it's more important that you know I get a lot of questions from people. They'll email me in on stuff, and I've always liked to say, you know, let's make sure before you throw in someone a thing. What is what was it for you? What was neglectful for you? And did it start? I mean. Just yeah. What was what was neglectful for you? Where, um, where didn't they help you or do their job for you? Um, I think it's about with narcissism. You have a a parent that um is constantly um making the whole world keep their eyes on them. You know, like yeah. so in the sense of like she um instead of my dad being like, hey, take care of your chores, take care of your schoolwork, take care of whatever, like a normal parent would, um, my dad would be like, take care of your mom. You know, that's constantly what the thing was. It's like, take care of her. There's no time to really take care of you. Um, so that's kind of what it really came down to with with a lot of the neglect. It's just kind of like we're all putting all of our, at least I had to. Yeah. Um, I was the caretaker, basically, and I was the youngest of five. So you were, You're the youngest of five? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. What about your other brothers? Do you have you have one sister that you're very close with? Mm, I have two sisters and two brothers. Okay, how are you with the rest of them? Um, I talk to my sister, uh, the one that lives here. Yeah. Um, but I don't talk to my other siblings. They're all over the place. Uh-huh. Um, one lives out here in LA. The other one lives in Oregon, and one lives in Washington. Are they are they are they half or are they full brothers? They're sister? all my siblings. Yeah. 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 So we lived in a very isolated household. Like we didn't. We were homeschooled. Um, then we went to private schools, and um, then you're. I don't know. Each kid kind of went through their own kind of phase. Each kid, by the time they turned sixteen, they were able to drive. Our parents just were just like, "All right, good luck." You know, yeah. you don't even have a high school diploma yet, and people are already giving up on you. So wow, yeah. wow, kind of feel like you're raised by wolves. Yeah, totally. Wow, <laughs> so it's pretty nuts. Yeah, my dad wasn't home ever. Like he'd come home maybe every couple of weeks. Um, they're married, but he'd come home every couple. What of was weekend. he doing? Uh, he runs like different like pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would just come in randomly into our lives and. Um, he was just extremely like verbally abusive, physically abusive, um, and when you have 
somebody who victimizes you like a narcissist, their main job is to like almost kind of see people in pain. And he was kind of the enabler of that. So she'd be like, this kid left out a plate and he'd go upstairs and just be like, what the fuck? Why are you leaving a plate out? You know? Yeah. <laughs> so Just totally flying off the handle. Yeah, totally. Just like, and the um, reaction doesn't fit the crime. Right. And, and living with her, like, have you ever seen the movie Mommy Dearest? No. Okay, so there's this movie Mommy Dearest, and um, it's Joan Crawford, and she goes into, like, the bedroom at, like, like 3 a.m. It's just, like, freaking the fuck out, cleaning shit. That's basically, like, what I was living with. It's um, just, like, somebody who just barges into your room and you're sleeping. and chaos. Just complete chaos for no reason. Um, just totally unregulated. So when did you get out? Um... All my siblings went away to college or moved You're the youngest? Out. Yeah. Um, my parents didn't let me leave until I was like 23, 24. Didn't let you leave the house? Yeah. What do you mean they wouldn't let you leave? What does that mean? They, by the time I was graduating around like 17. From high school? From high school. Uh-huh. They, my dad was living in New York and my mom had decided to go move away to go to school when I was supposed to be getting ready to go to school. Shh. So wait, your mom decided to move away to go to school? Yeah, she moved away to go to school. So they just, they sell the house? No, I, they kept me in the house. And I was supposed to like take care of it. I was literally the caretaker. I took care of their cars, took care of their houses, took care of whatever you name it, dogs. Other the grass. Like, the grass, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, making sure that I got the mail so they could pay bills on time or whatever it is. So, wow. yeah, just like taking all that responsibility on while your mom gets to go away to school. And what was she fun. going away to school for? Um, she went away for creative writing, and then from there she went. She went to school in Washington, and then from there she went and got her PhD in London. So she moved like all the way across the pond. To, wow, yeah. that's more than school. Yeah, that's just like picking up on your life and leaving, not wanting to deal with it. So it's more than an education going on there. It sounds like. Yes, that's what I think. I mean, granted, too. you were you life. were twenty three years old, but it's. I mean, yeah, I. It's yeah, a little weird. It's really it's really weird. And then I don't know. They I had like an attempt suicide right you around did? yeah, around like 22, Holy 21. Smokes. Yeah, so What was that about? Um it was about like her coming home and I'm like, "Hey, like you get to go away to school. Everyone else in my family gets to go away to school. Like me, I I I'm not. I'm here taking care of everyone's lives." So it was ignored, and I think that's when I first started abusing pills. I started taking, like, I took an entire bottle of Xanax. I took an entire bottle of sleeping pills. I took an entire bottle. To try to kill yourself. Yeah, try to kill myself. Um, and uh, painkillers. Um, so, but around 17 was when I started abusing painkillers. And um, so, it was just, Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know, right? It's intense. Well, so, you, you took an entire bottle of pills. yeah. Multiple times. Multiple pills, Um, multiple times. Yeah, multiple times. But I only went to the hospital once for it because the sleeping pills, sometimes you'll just wake up. Um, But one time she came home and she came into my room after I had taken Xanax, the painkillers, and sleeping pills. So that combination was a little messy, um, which ended me up and I ended up in the hospital. And so I had all these hallucinations. My dad flew in from New York. Um, when he was at like a business meeting he left to come to the hospital and I just remember I was just freaking out they wanted to 5150 me is that what it's called yep. yeah um, and my mom made me convince the psychiatrist at the hospital that I wasn't trying to kill myself because she didn't want to not be able to go back to London the next week so 
I know. It's crazy. I don't know. That gets me. I know, know me too. <laughs> no, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're here. Yeah, me too. I mean, I really am. Thank you. Yeah. It's just, I don't even, I, you know, I hear, I, uh, <laughs> I know, right? I, I, you know, I hear a lot about it. I hear a lot of people that want, that try to kill themselves. And by the grace of God or by the grace of whoever's, I don't know, whoever. Yeah. You're here. Yeah, I'm here. Holy smokes. I know, right? You're not supposed to be. No. <laughs> I mean, either you're not good at killing yourself or somebody's like, no. Oh my gosh, I'm so bad at killing myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think at the same time, there is, there, like, I for a long time, I didn't really believe in You don't me. have to be good at killing yourself. Yeah. I mean, you... I mean, for whatever reason, your body was like, no. Nah, yeah, exactly. Not today. Yeah. Um, I have done other things besides pills. Like, strangulation was really big for me. Um, to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And I went, I went blind for a little bit and deaf because you lose your hearing when you do that because all the blood rushes to your head. Did you try to hang yourself? Yeah, but I did it with, like, a ribbon. I got it. Dumb. It's all Just bad at killing myself. Yeah. Uh, and it broke, and um, I started freaking out because I was like, oh, shit. Now I'm alive, and I'm deaf, and I'm blind. But it comes back. It came back, um, but it was not a good idea. Wow. Yeah, and nobody knew, like, the entire so time. So this was, what, 10 years ago? Like, you started first time trying to kill yourself at 17? 17, yeah. So what maybe was the like last nine time? years ago. Um, the last time I tried to kill myself was probably when I ended up in the hospital at 22. Okay. Um, because I was just, at that point, I was just kind of like, well, I don't want to end up in this situation again. It doesn't really get you anywhere. Um, and I couldn't go to treatment because my mom didn't want me to, to put me in treatment. Because once you start talking about a narcissist, they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're not going to like it. No. So... Well, yeah, really are a blessing. <laughs> Thanks. No, really. I mean, yeah. you've been through a lot. Yeah. You know, I want to, we got to take a quick commercial uh-huh. and I want to really, I want to talk about why, like what, what would get you so, I mean, well, I know, I mean, your family situation is not ideal. No. Okay. So that's when you were 17 and then when they come back and then later on, you're not getting what you wanted. Right. And what were you, besides being able to go do things, what did you want? I want to know about that. Okay. You know, and I want to know what now makes you happy. Okay. Like, why are you, like, you're all smiles right now. <laughs> no, but you seem grounded now. You seem, yeah. what? Well, uh, let me be careful with that. You seem more grounded. You're at 68 days of sobriety, which is a huge feat. You've, I mean, I'm 10 years and I'm still not grounded. I still got one foot on the ground and one foot in the air. You know, same type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we always have more to learn. Mm-hmm. But what keeps you, like, I like who I am now. Mm. I want to know that. Mm. Okay? okay. So we'll be right back. We'll take a quick commercial. Everybody, thanks for joining us. If you want to hear more about our program here in Los Angeles, you can go to rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com, and you can find out all sorts of information on us. And um, please give us a call if you have any questions. Uh, we'll be right back. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition 
to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hey, hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are talking with Scarlett, and uh, she's a walking miracle. Um, you really are. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I don't think, I mean, have you grasped that yet? Um, yeah, just recently, though. I mean, you tried to kill yourself <laughs> multiple times, mm-hmm. and it just didn't happen. Yeah. It's amazing that you're here. Yeah. What <laughs> what makes you want to be here now? Like, what? where did you have to get to? I know you, you've been through a lot for yourself. Yeah. I mean, can you go into that? And uh, tell, I want to know why, how do you go from being that dark mm-hmm. to this much light? Yeah. I mean, really, you've got to, I mean, I wish people could be here to feel like, <laughs> you just, you have a vibe of just, like, I feel good about myself now. I do. So why? Um, sobriety is a big part of it. Also, self-realization, self-love, um, realizing that you're a miracle because there's all these different things that led up to me going into treatment. Yeah. And there's a reason why I'm here. Um, I didn't believe in, like, reasons for a really long time. Um, my higher power is the universe, you know, yeah. and I'm just very connected to that. Um so I, I don't know. I think when I really came to the realization, yeah, I am a miracle because none of us are asked to be born. I mean, you know, there's no, we didn't agree to this, but here we are yeah. uh, crushing the best party there is. Yeah. Um, and uh, basically the miracle to me is thinking of the sense of like this entire universe is here. It's created. There's all these different things of like your ancestors having come to this country. And um, my, my family is from Scotland and Ireland. So a lot of different like oppressive states of where they have to leave their country in order to make their lives better. And so all that along the way, somebody had a baby. Um, somebody had another kid that had another baby that eventually led up to you. And like, here you are, like you're, you're a miracle believe it just like it's there you know there's all these different things that led up to your existence that's such an important thing to recognize yeah. i think so so what gets you so okay you've been you've been straight for 68 days mm-hmm. all right when did you 
And, but before before you came here, you know, there was, what was the day, the day you came here, the day before, I should say, <laughs> the day you came here was a dark world for you. Yeah. And did you have days before that, that, that were, you were like, I can pull this out, but I, but you didn't, like you're trying and this was like a last ditch effort or did you really want to come into treatment? I really wanted to come into treatment. I've been wanting to come into treatment for for a really long time. Like ever yeah. since I was like probably around like 20, 20 years old, I would probably I'd ask my parents like, "Hey, like you have my insurance. Like, how do I go about getting a therapist?" Yeah. And they're like, "Oh, you don't need therapy. Oh, you don't need therapy. You're fine. You're the happiest person I know." But my happiness and like my smiles, my laugh, like that's honestly all defense mechanism because I'm. I've been used to taking care of people for so long. I have to keep up a front. I also am an entertainer, so like I'm constantly always smiling and doing the things. What do you mean that, entertainer? Um, I did music. I did like YouTube, social media work, lots of okay. lots of things where you're constantly having to present yourself. Yeah. Also, I lived in a family where everything is all like image, but there's not a whole lot of substance behind it. Mm-hmm. So, and my parents have really nice cars, really nice houses, really nice clothes, really nice furniture. But at the end of it, they're not really nice people. So mm-hmm. what does that really... Were they ever ashamed of you or any of your other brothers and sisters? Well, um, and I don't know if ashamed is the right word. Or like, <laughs> embarrassed, like, you know, like sometimes when people are like my family, I, I think my family was extremely embarrassed that I was a drug addict. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, and I think a lot of families feel like that too, which is a shame from what you and I both know now. <laughs> and I hope that, I hope people like you and I can make that a different you know, uh, I hope people can see that through a different, um, you know, uh, different lens. I agree. I think it, it's possible. But were they, you know, when you started doing stuff at 17, mm-hmm. th- is that when you first started doing stuff? Um, How old were you? The first time I ever smoked weed was I was 14. When did they find out? That I smoked weed? Yeah, that you were, like, drugs were becoming a part of your life. Because like, um, there's, like, doing drugs when you're, like, in high school, like, you know, going on a Friday night, no big deal. You're still getting straight A's. Life is great. Bah, well, bah, bah. my mom's an AA. Mm-hmm. So she's really? Probably, yeah, she's fully aware of, like, an addictive personality. She's pretty sure that, like, a majority of her kids have it. She's an AA, and she still behaves the way that she you're saying she does. Yeah, but that's more of, like, you know, she's sober. But your sobriety turns into other things. Your sobriety, your she's not emotionally sober it sounds yeah, like yeah she's not emotionally sober whatsoever she's never going to be she's never going to own herself so me they were really ashamed of I think all their kids like they're you know but at the same time they're like we're normal and it's kind of like there's no such thing as normal so just drop this facade like let's just be honest about who we are and like what's going on with us um they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to be honest with themselves. And I'm a completely open, transparent person to everything. It scares the living shit out of them, I think. So, yeah. 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 When, when did you be, when are you, um, not when are you, how, how do you, how do you stay transparent now? So now you're at 68 days mm-hmm. and the first 90 days is brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, a you know, I look back at my first 90 days now and it was absolutely atrocious at times yeah and other times i gotta be honest with you it was the happiest time in my life i mean arguably i mean i'm pretty damn happy now i've got a beautiful wife i got a dog that barks too much is that's really fuzzy yeah and you know i've got this great career in and i get to sit across from interesting people like yourself Mm -hmm. um but 
what do you do right now on a daily basis to to keep um, to keep the forward momentum going? I think it's important to have bad days. And that sounds so weird, but everyone gets talk so, more about that. Yeah, because I think I, I think I like what you're about to tell. Yeah, me, so keep talking. Everyone gets so caught up on their good days. Everyone gets so frustrated when they have a bad day. Um, and my chemical dependency um, counselor, mm-hmm. one of my first days here, I just remember I was just sobbing, like I was just, I just lost all my shit basically. And she was just kind of like, you know, what you need to do is just like sit in this because I'm so, I'm newly sober. All these emotions are the first time I'm feeling them sober. So it's really important it's to really real feel it. It's real and raw. Yeah, it's so real and raw. It's like coming, I always, I always describe it, it's like coming out of the shower and you realize that there's no towel. Right. It's freaking cold because you get a little breeze and you're like, woo! <laughs> right. But it's like you have no, all of your nerve endings. Yeah. You don't have any, you have no booze. Right. You've got no drugs, mm-hmm. and you've got the real world out there, which is real and raw, and it's going across every nerve ending on your entire body. Right, and you're around brand new people, your codependency, because I'm codependent. The person, like the lady addicts. at 7-Eleven could shortchange you by a dime. Right. And you were just, I mean, at least oh, for me. I was so irritable. I broke three coffee tables in my first 90 days of treatment. <laughs> three coffee tables I flipped over because they wanted to put me in a sober living house. Oh, gosh. I was just like, get me out of wherever I'm at. Because the second I got into sober living, I was like, cool. Like, I don't want to kill myself as much anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. Because you're, you're surrounded around people who... One of my roommates at the time was like, "You don't have to be on all the time." And the second she said that, I was. What like, is on? What is that? that right. That's juicy stuff right there. Because I didn't understand it either. I was kind of like, "I'm like the fuck you mean on?" Um, and she was just like, "I hope it's okay. I'm swearing, right?" It's totally fine. Okay, this cool. is internet radio, I, yeah, and okay, cool. Because I don't know how to. I think swearing is the best way of like getting your emotions out. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, what's your favorite swear word? Fuck. There you go. Yeah. All right, we got so that things. off. Right. <laughs> so wait, what's on for you? Because I, it's like a stage presence, don't you think? Yeah, that's what it is. Here, I'm. I've been performing since I was like five or six. So. Um, and I'm the youngest theater yeah theater um, I, I'm, I'm assuming yeah. at five or six years old that's where yeah, it starts yeah that's where you start you're doing like you're just putting on shows you're yeah. doing whatever um, so and I'm just constantly playing like a character I think that people need me to be in order for themselves to be happy um, which is like such a ridiculous thought because nobody really gives a shit what you're playing on a regular basis um, but at the same time you know, you walk around places and people are like, you're just like really happy. Should I see you? Makes me feel really positive and happy. So I felt really bad that I didn't, that I wasn't allowed to have bad days or whatever it is or so, or talk about if I'm, if I am having a bad day. So now whenever I'm having a bad day, I get to be like, hey, I'm having a bad day. Let's talk about this. What, this is, I love it. I counted when I was in treatment that there was 12 different of me, 12 different Rosses, mm-hmm. 12 of me. Ugh. I was somebody different all the time. Nice. I had somebody who, I, there was a Ross for my mom. And I talk about this all the time because it's so important that people, when they're going through treatment, that they really realize, and people just forget about treatment. Treatment is, treatment, every, every single person should go through treatment. Mm-hmm. I think they should. I think they should go through treat. I think everybody should be a waiter or a waitress at one point in their life, just, yes. which I never was. 
but I just know it's, I've dated a lot of waitresses and they just say my current life, she was a waitress. She's like, everybody should do it just to know what, how mm, grueling I it is. I totally agree. Everyone needs to work in customer service at one point in their life because, because totally. my mom never has and she shits all over everybody. No, it's a big deal. But I think everybody needs to really take an honest look at themselves and how many are there of you? Who are you when you're with your friends from your hometown, from the new town you live in? Who are you when you go to to Macy's or Bloomingdale's to the mall to I mean wherever it is but for me I counted 12 there was all these different Rosses right and I was never in theater I was never in I never had any of that stuff but I had such an insecurity right which sounds like you had a huge insecurity too totally and I was just I had all the I had like a pocket of smoke bombs <laughs> that I would pull out and like like smoke bombs smoke bomb. <laughs> like you can't see me and I disappear and I'll be somebody else I say this story all the time that when I used to live in in Lake Tahoe, Mm -hmm. up Northern California, I lived on the Nevada side of Lake Tahoe, and the bartender at the Hyatt um, up there, it was a Hyatt hotel and casino, he said to me, I used to hang out there a lot at night, he would say, Ross, man or woman that sits next to you, I never know who you're going to be or what's going to come out of your mouth. (laughs) And to me, I thought that was really funny. But then as I moved on in my life, when I look back at it, I was like, it's like, that's a little jacked up. Yeah. Like, I... It's never me. Right. And I literally didn't talk for three weeks to any of, I said this last week in my group, I don't know if you were in it, but I didn't talk to any any of the people I went to treatment with for about three weeks. I didn't talk to, except for my counselors. Mm-hmm. Because I really had to come to the clue. It's like, I don't know who I am. Yeah. Every single thing that comes out of my mouth is a total fabrication and lie. Same. Or an exaggeration. Totally. So if you lived in a two-bedroom house, I had lived in a three. Same. You know, that's just what it was. And it was like, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? Right. And I had to get to the point where it was like, you know, my family was very, was very well off. Very well off. And I had to get to the point of where I was not very well off. Right, same. Like, I am just, I'm busted. And you know what? That's fine. Right. That's okay. I'm going to make X dollars a week, and I'm going to have, and I will have an extra $20 left over to go do whatever I want to with that week. Right. You know, because I have a $13 an hour job. Right. And I got an extra 20 bucks. Yeah. So I remember I quit smoking, so they're knocked out that that whole habit for the week. That's how But I had money to go to a movie (laughs) and to go to get yogurt. Cool. That was that was what I those were my two things I wanted to do in sobriety. It's like I could go to see some movies with some people if I wanted to, or I could go get frozen yogurt. Um, that's that's all I needed right. <laughs> for for that. That's, that's, <laughs> that was fine. That's probably what anybody, pretty much everybody, just needs. Um, <laughs> frozen yogurt. So, who are you? Who who are you now? Um, you had all these other people. Yeah. Who did you kick out, and who are you now? Um, I don't necessarily know if I kicked out anybody, but like my party girl self is still there. She's still partying it up. She's just sober. Um, she parties. She's not partying. Yeah, she's parties. But yeah, she's not partying anymore. Got she, it. But she still likes to go out and dance and yep. and, sh- and shake her thing and mm-hmm. and get a little ratchet in the club. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, then I also have like my very I I like to come off very classy all day long. You know, I like to make sure that people like un- respect me at the same time. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important. I want people to think I'm educated. Um, I want to um, come across as kind to every single person. I want to connect with people. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Just be kind. <laughs> well, a lot of people love the fact that they come off really tough and stuff like that. And it's like you can 
still be kind and come off tough. You don't like you know it's it's people like, put up a wall immediately. Yeah, when you meet them, it's like J-j-j-j. oh totally. I mean, it's like the walls are the walls are the people yeah, that are that yeah. that are like the softest at the core. I kind of think. I think so. Yeah, because I think a person that is really kind of mature in their life. I call it I call it like maturity and sobriety, maturity in life is so I mean, sober to me just means more than just not drinking and doing drugs. I think I think my brother, you know, who doesn't drink at all, mm-hmm. you know, there's a sober aspect to his life. Right. You know, it's just it's there's principles with that. Yeah. You know, that whether you drink or do drugs, whether you have or haven't ever in your life, I don't know what that there should be like a a word that kind of bats both ways in the mm. sense of this type of a person. I Maybe it's just a productive person in society or a fair person. I, I don't know what it is, but these people with, that are the softest on the inside, man, they got these brick walls. Yeah, I know. From, from that's what you're competing with. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been competing with. Right, yeah. I think for me, a lot of it is codependency. A lot of people build up those walls with other people. Codependency with what? Um, with with other humans. Like I think I see a lot of people that are really tough. They'll immediately get into relationships just so they'll have like somebody else to like back them up on their on their feelings and emotions. And during this process, like I had to learn how to be on my own, have my own ideas. Like one day, I took like one of my first days in sober living on my first weekend. I was like, what am I going to do today? I should just spend today with myself because that's all I have is me. Like, I should go, like, take myself to breakfast and order whatever I want and make my own decisions because making decisions for addicts is extremely hard. You only know one thing. You want to go get your drugs. You want to go get your alcohol. Um, Maybe you'll order pizza along the way, but it's usually a group decision. Uh, So... So I don't know. For me, it's. I think it really comes down to your codependency, and I. I know that right now, it's like not the best time to get into relationships. It's not the best time to. Yeah. To. Um. I don't know. You can make friends, but you can't. You have let's to build up those boundaries. Let's get into that. You know, I want to. You know, let's take a break real quick. But I want to get into what not to do. Okay. <laughs> you know, because and I think what I always tell people when they go through sobriety people are like what do i do i can't stop doing drugs i'm like why don't you start thinking about what doesn't work Mm because you have a whole arsenal of information of what clearly doesn't work right like if you just go through your life doing what you know does not work Mm -hmm. your success rating on pretty much whatever you do will be like 90 Mm percent that's a good solid a (laughs) that's a good solid a you know what i mean and you could go through that I, I think it's great. So I always tell people that. Um, we're going to take a quick break. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Scarlett, I love having you on. We're going to come back real quick, and we're going to talk about what don't you do. Hi. And what, what do you look out for yourself, okay? Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Getting Sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients. And we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. 
And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebos Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, we're back with Scarlett again. Um, just to kind of do a recap, Scarlett, of the walking miracle that you happen to be, you have tried to kill yourself multiple times, uh-huh. from pills to hanging yourself, choking yourself, suffocation. You've lost your hearing. You've lost your vision because of it, yeah. um, which has all come back it's now. It's all here, yeah. It's all here I'm now. Here. Um, you're 68 days sober. Uh-huh. You love pills. Love pills. You love pills. You never got in. Uh, and during the commercial break, I asked you. You never got into meth. Yeah, you know, like all my therapists are like extremely like surprised that I haven't done heroin or meth. Just come from coming from my background, like most people would. Um, I've dated a heroin addict before, um, and he honestly just kept me really protected from it which is so weird because most people that you're in a relationship with if they're a drug addict they want you to join them i'm just i'm more just impressed that you haven't just because pure statistics yeah statistically i would totally everybody's on math and everybody's doing opiates <laughs> right. i mean it's like what do you mean you don't do math i, I think mean, it's the isolation and the shelter that i was dealing with you know i didn't really know that much stuff i did like cocaine a couple times um but like nothing really i, I like to be up I like to be somewhere yeah. that I can go party or you like be speed. social. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which meth is a great speed, so that's just so crazy. I can't believe you didn't do that. I know, right? Hey, no, hey, no big deal. We don't have to go back and find out. <laughs> right, we don't. We don't. I, I've tried it. I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like the, you know, there's certain drugs that have a ritual behind doing them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I used to say, it's like back in high school where you take a, fr- a Frisbee and you put a shitty bag of weed on there and you got to get rid of the stems and the seeds on it. Right. And you roll <laughs> joint with it. That's a ritual. Right. You know, there's a ritual. Like, I like doing cocaine where it's like you take the bag, you bust it up, you, you make the fine powder and that's what it is. That's mm-hmm. a ritual. Meth has its own ritual. Right. Um, you know, whether you're smoking it or shooting it. I've never shot drugs. I never, you, no needles. <laughs> needles and spiders, I don't do. Right. Um, very needles bad. and spiders. Spiders, I won't do spiders. <laughs> I'm not telling <laughs> Scarlet, don't bring a spider into this. I just think that, like, I don't know, for me, also, like, a lot of, like, I, my, you know, I lived in a narcissistic household. I eventually became a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Um, so vanity really comes into play. Like, what's going to happen to your face, your body, everything once you start doing drugs like like meth? 
So for me, I really like my teeth a lot. I really like my face. I don't want to get necessarily the things that happen to your body when you do those kinds of things. Um, but that's why pills are so easy. You're putting something into you. You're probably not going to necessarily see the you can hide person. It. Yeah, al- alcoholism. Can't necessarily hide it, but eventually you can get to a really bad point. Um, marijuana doesn't really do a whole lot to your body but eventually like my my sobriety now like how i see myself i'm like oh my gosh i looked like a zombie before like well, I it's looked- all in your eyes yeah oh, it's on your I mean, eyes you, all those things that you just said will after x amount of time make you look differently oh, totally but your eyes tell the story of everything yeah just like blank just i blank. always you know it's and I, maybe that's what it is i didn't see you when you first came in here mm-hmm. i saw you about i think for the first time about Three weeks ago, I mm-hmm. met you on the stairs, mm-hmm. and your eyes just look clear. Yeah, they just look clear. That's the first thing I look at when I'm when I'm talking to anybody, especially in this joint. You know, because everybody's <laughs> lying to me. You know, it's a bunch of drug addicts running around. Right. And they lie to you, and so you have to look at their eyes. Totally. And it's really you can tell when somebody's struggling, and you can also tell my favorite part of which you know. It's a tough gig, you know, running a treatment center. It's, it can be very sad some days, and it can be, there's great up days. But when you look at somebody and you see, it looks like they lost 40 pounds just through their eyes. Totally. It's 40 pounds of just, like, baggage. Like, mm-hmm. they've said goodbye to their ex-wife, their yeah. ex-husband, their mom, their dad. They're, you know what? They're living their own life. Yeah. And it sounds like you're living your own life. Totally. The way you want to now. Yeah. I really am. So what do you do not to be the old you? Because there is an old you. Totally. That you don't want to be anymore. No. So what do you do? Who is that old you characteristic wise? I think accepting your old you is really important. Who was that? Um, Old me was just like crazy party all the time. Um, Liar? Liar. Oh my gosh. Being a liar is such a big part of your addiction. And it's Did you lie more to yourself or to others? Both. I think you have to start with lying to yourself first. I meet a lot of people in treatment where I'm like, are you being honest with me? Even though like two seconds ago they told me the truth to the lie, you know, at the same time, I'm like, like, are you being honest? And they say, yeah, and they giggle. I'm like, defense mechanism, you're lying, like straight up. Um, I always get people like, Employees face it. Swear to God. <laughs> Say it right now. <laughs> right. Uh, but I. But for me, I'm just kind of like it doesn't really matter if somebody else is lying. It matters if I'm lying. It matters how honest I'm going to be with somebody. Vulnerability is really hard for a lot of people, especially in treatment. Especially when you've been a drug addict for a very long time, you just keep everything inside of you. Yeah. So let it out. Don't be afraid to cry. Crying is so is so important to the process of all of this. Um. So that's what I really think is important. Yeah. Then who who are you trying to be now? Me, um, just the best version of me um, that I can try to be. I think that you're always going to be working on it. So I think there's a lot of people that are like, I'm just trying to get to... Well, it's going to evolve. Right. It's always going to evolve. But you have to have, I, I hope, because you should be at, right about at the time of sobriety when you come up with, the, there's... I always tell this to everybody. You have to come up with three to five things that define you. Mm-hmm. No matter who you marry in this world, mm-hmm. no matter who you, who you date, who you marry, who your friends are, where your job is, where you live, 
whatever, whatever, whatever you do, whatever car you drive, right, what, right. I mean, whatever it is, you have to have three to five things that define you, mm-hmm. and they will always be your principal foundation for the rest of your life. Yeah. Now things will change. Your hair will change. <laughs> you might get. You might have a shortcut. You might be really long. Your right. makeup will change. This, that, or yeah. another. You might get married and you might like to sleep on the right side of the bed, but you know what? You're going to be, you know, because he wants to sleep on the left. You know, it's just how it is. I, I was a, I always like to sleep on the right side and then I got married and I, <laughs> I take the to, left. I got it. I get the right sink. I get the left side of the bed. Um, you give that up, but there's certain things that my wife and I would literally give my wife, my kidney along. I'd give her every single thing that I possibly have, but I will not give up the three things that are me. Because it'll screw up who I am. Oh, totally. And it makes me... Um, I've been a chameleon before. I've been just like a chameleon to the person that I'm with before. And it doesn't do anybody any service. I used to buy clothes just to be with certain people. Same, yeah. I mean, I used to have a certain card to be looking like a certain person. Oh, yeah, I get that. I mean, it's like, I got to have these jeans. And I have to spend <laughs> X amount of dollar on these jeans right. in order to be accepted by these people. Right. It's it's conforming. It's exhausting. Yeah, totally. Everybody I is. mean, take I mean, just, take a nap. <laughs> I mean, just think about that. Yeah. Every day. Mm-hmm. And it, but why is it so... So it feels good being you now. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. But why is it so damn hard? Oh, gosh. I mean, and I'm not saying that you... <laughs> I'm 10 years almost sober. In June, I'll have 10 years. Holy shit. It is so Congrats. difficult. Thank you. But I only... Look, you're 68 days, and I'm almost 10 years, but I only look at it like I'm like two inches ahead of you. Because at the end of the day, I'm, I'm honestly... Just like you, you're about two bad decisions away from a trip to Bangkok. <laughs> as I like to say. I'm two bad decisions away from a trip to Bangkok. Yeah, totally. Whether I'm 10 years sober or 68 days sober. Right. I always say that to people. People are like, wow, you got 10 years. You're really locked in. I'm like, well, actually, I'm, I'm about two really bad decisions <laughs> from a trip to Bangkok. Right. Where God knows what's going to happen to me. Right. You know? I mean, think about that. Yeah, totally. Why is it so difficult? You know, it's like... Always people will say getting into a rhythm is so easy. Or life becomes easier when you get into a rhythm, which it is. But it's so amazing how easy it is to turn so dark, so negative, so fast. Yeah. It really is. Totally. I mean, you've seen that probably at extremes in your first 68 days because like we were talking earlier about our um, our nerve endings, you know, our feelings and emotions. Totally. They're so real and so raw. Right. I mean – you're wavering up. I mean, your days are like highs and lows probably. Yeah. And the goal is it'll start kind of weaning out and just a kind of rolling hills mm-hmm. of emotion. Right. It'll, you know, happy ups and happy downs. And right. you can spike your happies and you can dump your lows. Right. Um, but why, why, why is this? I mean, tell me about it. What, what do you think? What, why, why, why does our head sabotage us? Um, self-sabotage is just like a big part of who you are as an addict you as a person as a person too and you're you're kind of thinking like it it really comes down to your mental state i think like who you who who you want to be is so different than who you are and it's just really good to be present with who you are in that moment so that way you don't go off and use or you don't go off and do the bad things that you really want to go do you have to be so present yeah it's so well said yeah present like being present is like the most important thing i think it's emotional sobriety yeah it is it's the difference between being physically sober 
and emotionally sober. Right. Like I, I think there's a lot of people who come in on their first day and they're like, wow, I can't wait to get to my 68th day. And it's kind of like, no, you got to look beyond the 68th day. You got to, or you got to, or don't even look beyond that. Like look at where you're at right now. I think like a lot of the times I'll be like, oh, like what's going to happen after this month or this week? It's just like, it doesn't matter. All we have is right now. Is I'll tell you though, I was really, you know, time used to freak me out a little bit. <laughs> um, of how much sober time because I was I used to picture it in my head as well the higher up I go the farther I can fall True. it's gonna hurt yeah like real bad yeah and I used to be so, so superstitious about my sober birthday oh wow like like, like my wife like she's like what do you want me to do for your like five years and I was <laughs> like I'm like we're not talking about it until like <laughs> the day before and then we'll get 20 people together she's right. like how are we gonna get 20 people together the day before on a Tuesday right you know and I'm like I don't know we'll figure it out but we ain't talking about it today <laughs> I ain't going back um but I always think about it in the sense that there was so much in my first year of sobriety, I I broke, I broke my sobriety after a certain amount of time. I stopped counting my days. Mm. I didn't because I remember that counting my days just was cool. But I, I, but then it was like I started. It wasn't a, like one day at a time for me. Right. It started becoming. I used to do. Then I turned it into three months at a time. Right. Because after my ninety days of inpatient, that I learned that I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was so full of shit. I had no life, no job, and I was basically. I was like bleh. Mm-hmm. I realized that I bro. I would go out. I would have one bad day and a hundred good days. Right. And I would go out uh, because of one bad day. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that at three, I said, you know what? That didn't work for me in the past. Right. So I went back and I started doing it like a business. Mm-hmm. When you run a business, you break it into quarters. Mm-hmm. Okay. So every three months in a year is a quarter. Right. And at the end of the quarter, you look at your books, your financial right. books. And that's what I did for myself. And it yeah. helped me so much because it was like, I can't blow, I, I got to learn. You said this earlier in the in our in our talk today, mm-hmm. that I'm going to have bad days and they're yeah, good. They're great. You got to have, it's, it's called being a human, it's feelings and emotions. Yeah. So I would, at the end of three months, I would look at my so-called spreadsheet, you know, of spiritual profitability. Mm-hmm. And I would go, wow, I had X amount of bad days mm-hmm. and I had X amount of good days. Mm-hmm. I think I'll stay sober for another three months. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, even in a business, you don't shut the whole damn thing down after one bad day. Nah. No, you've got to look at it and make an honest decision about it. Right. Once I did that, it changed the life for me because you, and I didn't, what you said in the beginning of our thing, I didn't realize till about six months of sobriety. You're doing it in 68 days. Yeah. I didn't realize that. It was a really, really big deal to me. And so um, that's how I do it now, even to today. Right. But today I know I want to be sober. Yeah. But before, I mean, when I got a year sober, I couldn't picture myself sober for 20 years. I could just see myself sober for one more year. Right. That was it. Right. And when I got two years, I could see myself sober for five. Okay, right. I could. I couldn't even imagine being 20. Once I got to two and a half years, mm-hmm. I remember sitting out. I went to the ATM. I was living in Malibu, and I went up to the ATM, and I thought about, I'm going to be 50-something in 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'm damn well not smoking crack when I'm 50-something years <laughs> right. old. Yeah, I'll be sober for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Can you picture yourself sober for the rest of your life right now? 
Um, you never know what's going to happen, but you know, I don't go around the question. Can you picture yourself <laughs> sober can, for the rest of your life I, right now? I, I think at I, sixty I, days I, of sobriety, can you honestly picture yourself sober for the rest of your life? I I think I can. But you never, but you never know. Well, you never know. <laughs> you never know. I mean, fuck. I mean, I, I could get hit by a car. Tomorrow. I think in order for me to get to that age, I have to be sober. Like, I think in order for me to actually have a decent life at that age. So can I, you picture yourself never, ever, ever doing drugs again? Mm, that's you could hard, say no. Yeah, no, to be honest with There's you. There's nothing wrong with yeah, saying that. Yeah, it just depends on what it what it is and where I'm at. But at, It's too big. Yeah, it's way too big. It's too big. Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. That's fine. You don't have to. No, it's it's wild. Yeah. I mean, you've been doing life one way for the last 10 years. Yeah, and I'm only 68 days sober. I Hell have yeah. no idea what next month is going to look like. I think you're doing awesome. <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you, join- too. Yeah, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Guys, thanks for joining us today. We've been talking with Scarlett, who's literally a walking miracle. She's, you know, <laughs> I, you tried to kill yourself, and somebody said no. Mm-hmm. Your body was like, no, we're not doing it. Yeah. No. Not today. Not today. Um. And so if you would like any more information about our program, um, you can look it up again at Rebos, R-E-B-O-S, treatment.com. Happy to answer any questions for you. And uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks so much, everybody. Be well. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition with Ross Rameen on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.